Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm your host, Ashraf Blakely, with the co-host with the most, Kwani Lunas. What's up, I'm Kwani? here. Happy, I don't know, happy Tuesday, happy Wednesday, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm excited because the sun's out. I don't have to put my artificial tropical background <laughs> behind me because it really is tropical-esque for New England this time of year outside. Uh, got in a nice outdoor workout, socially distanced, with a mask. What I got in a nice, good outdoor workout today. Feeling good, Kwani. Really nice Sore as hell, but I'm feeling good. It's only really nice good. in the mornings, and then by like 6 o'clock, it just gets freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, that's why you got to get you gotta get in. It's like, it's like life. Get in early so you can exactly. get done early. Yep. You know what I mean? And speaking of getting in, uh, the Celtics trade deadline is coming gone. They've done what they... I guess wanted to do. Uh, what are your just initial thoughts about you know the, the just them after the trade deadline and they've got Evan Fournier, mm-hmm. Luke Cornett, and last but certainly not least, Mo Bobner. Uh You know, what do you think about? I mean, the hall, the, if you can call the it a hall. That the yeah, I understand the fans that were a little upset at first because. As much as Daniel Tice got a lot of slack, it was one of those situations where you realize what you're missing after he's gone, and you realize that he did bring enough to that big man position that was sustainable enough for what the team needed during the time that he was here. Javante Green was definitely a fan favorite. Not obviously on the court. He's you know very good supplementally, but the content, I can speak for the content that he gave me when I needed to capture the Celtics, and he was always cheery and had a smile on his face so it just goes to show that the way this league is I know players understand it but when the reality settles that your brother that you've been playing with for a you know a year or two is finally going to another city it it definitely hits hard I think for players at first and then the first two games back we noticed that they did look a little better it looks like they were clicking they were maybe maybe Danny had made the move to show that the the voids that the Celtics had were being filled but then we look at last night's game versus the Pelicans and then we're like, what's going on? Where did the disconnect happen? You see Marcus Smart has the mishap that I feel like he got a little too much slack on Twitter for that. But, you know, everyone makes mistakes. But it's one of those things where it kind of just can't happen. I don't know where this team is at. I, I wanted to believe that they were on the path of being better. But now after watching Zion Williamson basically demolish them, I'm not sure exactly what we have in this Celtics team anymore. Well, the, here's here's the thing. I mean, first of all, I, you know, I, I hated to see Tice go of all those guys just because I thought he was the one guy that brought yeah. the most value. But when you think about the last image of Daniel Tice, which is missing that potentially game-winning mm-hmm. corner three, and then the guy that replaced him, who's also German, and Mo Wagner, had yes. the same shot from the same spot. Different time in game, but same spot, yep. and he made it. And it was just like, okay, I don't want yeah. to draw the parallels, but it's it, it's yeah. impossible not to. Uh, I think the Celtics definitely, I think, made themselves overall better at the trade deadline, but yes. it doesn't move the needle. It it wasn't the kind of moves that these were. These are the kind of moves that if you've got a Kyrie Irving, a Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford, and a you know Jalen Brown and, and uh, Jason Tatum all on your team already, and you make these moves, yeah. it's a great day. Because you added a little something, something to an already really stock-loaded team. 
but they got lots of holes to fill uh, still. And th they did not, I, I think, do an adequate job of really addressing them. But the one, you know, if you want to look at a silver lining in all of this, was it forced Brad and Danny to yes. unleash the Time Lord. And he has been really good. But he's not going to be good, and he's not going to be great every night. He's going to have some down nights. And, and I thought his last game out was not one of his better performances. But his body of work is only going to get better in time. Uh, and so I'm excited. I'm excited to see about what he's got going forward. And I'm also excited about yeah. Kwani, and I know you feel me on this. Fans yeah. are back yes. at the TD Garden. Uh, that was really exciting, not just to see them in the stands, but to hear them. I mean, there were points in the game where those 2,500 folks were pretty damn loud. Uh, getting on the refs about questionable calls and things like that, which you just can't be a Celtics fan and not do that and make your presence felt. Uh, what did you think about just having fans back in the stands and, and, and yeah, how that's going to be for really this team? you two really good points. For one, I want to talk about Robert Williams a little bit. Brad Stevens was on 98.5 earlier today talking about how you're going to naturally see a difference in his game because when you're coming off the bench versus being a starter, that is definitely a big adjustment that he needs, needs to make. But to your point, I definitely think over time we're going to we talked about this on a few episodes ago where we just want to see more consistency. And once he's able to get more of those starting reps, I think he'll be able to get in a rhythm quick enough. He seems like a smart enough player to just really adapt to that difference. But when you talk about the fans, I think the fans are crucial. We know the TD Garden gets loud. We know that they literally are that sixth man for this Celtics team. On any given, any given year, any given season, the Celtics TD Garden will – really be a determining factor in the outcome of the game. Obviously, last night I saw some tweets about way to welcome back your fans. I know they weren't too happy about the results, but overall, I think fans being in the arena is definitely, hopefully, going to make a difference when it comes to the energy that comes with the game. Because, you know, a lot of times we've seen when they're at home, there's not that energy because they're not really getting that motivation from the crowd and, and feeding off of the crowd. So hopefully that can play a role in us seeing a better team, a more energized team that could hopefully translate into more wins. Yeah, I think there's certain teams that the way they're built, you know, they can just walk into an empty gym sure. and just bust <laughs> you for 40. They could walk yeah. into a packed house and drop you for 40. Yeah. The Celtics are not built that way. They are a team that, you know, they have to really, I think, kind of build up to being really, really good. And they feed off the crowd as yep. much as any team in the league, uh, in part because they've got great fans, but also because I just think that they're they're built to be successful that way. They're used to having that that mm -hmm. extra something, something that they can look to and turn to to give them that little little extra motivation, right. adrenaline boost, if you will. And, uh, you know, it's I think it's definitely something that's going to help them down the road. And what I'm curious to know what's going to help them down the road. And we'll talk to our Ooh. guests in, in a minute about Ooh, this is yeah. the new guys, Luke Cornett, our good friend, Mo Wagner. And last but certainly not <laughs> least, Zero Evan Fournier. Although I've, I've heard his first name pronounced okay. Avon when he was drafted. And I've heard everyone since then pronounce him hmm. Evan. So I'm curious to know what it's, what, what's his pronunciation. And one guy who just might provide clues to how to pronounce his name is our guest, Josh Robbins with The Athletic, longtime beat writer uh, covering the Orlando Magic. Now he's with The Athletic. Uh, Josh, uh, he will be joining us in any moment now. Great. Hey, jo Josh, welcome to the A-List Podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? Uh, I'm great, except I am a little concerned. I've got, you know, what little hair I have is kind of sticking up in the wrong places. So I'm liking but the curl, though. Just let it, it go. Just let yeah. it go. 
Well, it's more than your that, That's the way it works for me. We can't we it's can't all have the lovely locks like like Kwani Lunas. So you know the rest of us make do with what we got. You know, so. I try. <laughs> and well, the, the Celtics. Important question: How do you pronounce the French man, the French big man's name? <laughs> I, I don't att- I don't attempt to put any okay. sort of French accent on it. I just call him Evan. And okay, there we go. <laughs> so he okay. So that that's that's good to know because. I went back and I looked at some clips of when he was first drafted, and and David Stern is, is referring to him as Yvonne Fournier, and I have not heard that from anyone other than David Stern on draft night. So I don't know whether you know the, the late commissioner, you know, got his got his French pronunciation guide in the wrong place uh, on a black market or something, or, or whether he's he was pronouncing it right and the rest of us are wrong. Um, I tell you what, though. Gosh, I mean, you, you've been around, you know, Mr. Fournier uh, longer than any of us. And, and so, I mean, obviously we know the numbers. He averaged 19.7 points this year, uh, was shooting the ball really well. But what what can you tell us about, about, about him that may not necessarily show up in the box score and, and may not show up on a Zoom call? I think he's a much better teammate than he's given credit for. Uh, if you looked closely at how he played in Orlando, if a teammate – got a technical foul and was in danger, for example, of getting a second technical and getting booted out of the game, it would be Evan who was the first person on scene to, to calm his teammate down. Uh, he, if you talk to Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba called Evan Fournier the heart and soul of the magic. Uh, We've heard so that before. For yeah. his intensity and, and uh, you know, welcoming Mo under his wing and supporting Mo. So, uh, that that is the Evan I covered, and and no. Wow, Evan saving teammates money—that's a beautiful thing. Uh, that that's you don't see that too often because guys typically, you know, it's it's kind of like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how I can do my thing, and if you lose your cool, well, you know, sorry. Um, good for him. Good for him. Now, Evan, he wasn't the only player that the Celtics were involved with and talking to. Um, you got our good friend Aaron Gordon, who's, who's who for, for Celtics fan, they remember Aaron all too well for uh, just the connection he had with Harvard. His sister played at Harvard, and then there was that huge photo. I, you, I, matter of fact, Quanti, I think you may have even been the one that posted this on social media where he was on the bus and he had a basketball in his hand and he was in Boston, and everyone was freaking out, like, Oh my god, oh my god, they're gonna draft Aaron Gordon when in fact he was just kind of hanging out with his sister and he was just going, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> What can you tell us about just how close the Celtics were to, to some of those other guys? And, and we're talking about Aaron Gordon, but also Vucevic was a name that certainly uh, got a lot of Celtics fans kind of you know, kind of geeked up and, and, and gassed up thinking maybe he's going to be a Celtic. How close were they to just really submitting deals with some of those, those two other guys? I suspect that they were not very close on either, on either Nick Vucevic or Aaron Gordon. Uh, Denver had a, a better package. Uh, of, of of players of existing players uh, than than Boston offered. Uh, that's my understanding, and uh, partly because of the inclusion of R.J. Hampton, who is potentially a high ceiling guard in the first year of a rookie scale contract. Uh, as for Vooch, I think the key there are the two incoming first round picks, and also Chicago's willingness to take on uh, Al Farouk Aminu's final year of his contract. 
the reality is, is that Boston most likely will fare much better in the next, both in this year and then two years from now, and will uh, con- would have conveyed a much worse first-round pick than Chicago is likely to convey. So I, I don't think Boston came very close in either uh, Vucevic or Gordon's case. And the Magic have basically overall the last two years have some kind of playoff presence, you know, overall. So why do you think it seems as though at least the team is looking like they're trying to rebuild all over again? Well, I think I think you're exactly right. That's that's what they're doing. They're, it, they've gone down. It's like a, a U-turn. Yeah. It's like a total U-turn. Uh, they are going down the, the path of a full rebuild. Why are they doing it? Well, part of it was that uh, they are decimated with injuries this year. Even if they somehow snuck into the, the play-in tournament, which would have been unlikely, uh, they wouldn't have gone anywhere, really. Uh, the, the intention heading into this year was to make the playoffs and maybe even host a first-round playoff series. I think, that's, I think that was way out of – that was not going to happen, but they would have made the playoffs if they were fully healthy. Uh, but the reality is Aaron Gordon wanted a trade. Evan Fournier – uh, was uh, it remains in the final year of his contract? If the Magic didn't make any cutting cost cutting moves anywhere else, they wouldn't have been able to keep Evan under the tax. And then Vooch, their best player by far, two years remaining on his contract, would they be able to even re-sign him two off seasons from now? That's a valid question, and uh, that's that's the path they went. And I think it's going to be potentially a very long path back to relevance. Yes, I, for them, you know, yeah, I, I one of the guys and you, you mentioned that they've got they've had a number of guys that have been out with injuries. You know, the one guy that I just remember when he was coming into the league, I thought, Mike, he's just physically freakish on a level that if he can just stay healthy, he's going to be really, really special in this league. And that's Jonathan Isaac. Isaac, I, I, I'm a huge Jonathan Isaac fan. How much did his upside play into uh, even though obviously he's, he's out with an injury, but I would imagine that there was some interest around the league for him, even though he's hurt. And how much did his upside play into the willingness for Orlando to kind of hit the reset button, knowing that they had a guy with that type of potential of healthy still in, in the fold, still on, on his rookie deal. And extended for the next four years after this. Too. Okay. So uh, it's uh, part of it is, is that, J.I. and Aaron Gordon play the same position. You could put Aaron Gordon at the three, you could put J.I. at the three, but they are most, their skill sets both kind of make them really force. So it would have to be one or the other. Plus, the Magic have a pretty talented, pretty skilled rookie named Chuma Okiki, who's also a power forward. Uh, a very unbalanced roster Orlando had heading into the trade deadline. And this this starts to make things right they've got a long way to go but in terms of balancing the roster this did it but it did it at the expense of of losing aaron gordon who didn't want to be here anyway what do you see them building around or or do you think that that's something that they just do through the draft i think that's primarily what they're going to do through the draft a lot of it depends on how well jonathan isaac and uh markel fultz develop with their with their Mm -hmm. shots if Markel Fultz gains a shot and becomes a 35% or better three-point shooter, then he suddenly uh, skyrockets in terms of his ability uh, to make him gym pass. Uh, same with J.I. 
Same with J.I. because J.I. could be a defensive player of the year uh, if he's healthy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that about, about Isaac. I, I, again, his size, his length, his lateral quickness, the versatility that he brings to the game when he's healthy. I, I think he's he could be such such a really high-impact player. And, and you know, just being around Weltman, being around uh, John Hammond, Jonathan Isaac is their kind of guy. Uh, people forget that when John Hammond was in Milwaukee, all he did was just draft length, 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 and more length after that. Uh, you know, people were, you know, scratching their heads about when they, they in Milwaukee, yeah. took this kid from Greece named Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, and I just remember, uh, and I, 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 when they first came to Boston for that first game, uh, they had a practice over at uh, Suffolk University at one of the local gyms. And I remember sitting in the stands talking with John as they were practicing. And Giannis is just, you know, he, he's like he, he's like a young he was like a young kid in a grown man's body that was getting more grown with every second. And I remember John Henson was on the team then and he and he had Giannis basically performing tricks for him. And he had Giannis go one end of the court and John had already Hammond had already seen this before. So he was just preparing me for what I'm about to see. And he was like, see how far back this kid is when he takes off. I'm like, what he's gonna take what a foot or two inside the free throw line? And Hammond was like, no, it won't be inside the free throw line. And I'm watching him sprint up the court. A good a good six inches behind the free throw line, he takes off and dunks the ball. on two. And I'm like, whoa. And Danny Ainge traded up two spots for Kelly Olenek as Giannis went two spots after that. Yeah. That's an unbelievable. Yeah. So That's an unbelievable. Orlando, I... I yeah, I think Orlando has the kind of roster that over time is, is going to pay off because of all that length. Uh, they just got to stay healthy, though. Uh, and one thing that I will say is always healthy. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> anyone and everyone is betonline.ag, sponsor of the A-List podcast. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You know, the NFL season, we're starting to get that buzz again with the draft coming up and all the different workouts and stuff like that, which is great, giving us a glimpse into some of the stars of the future of the NFL. But today, it's all about March Madness. We're talking about the NCAA men's and women's tournament. The final, the best of the best are still hanging around. We got the final four coming up. Get in on all the action. We've also got the NBA games. Obviously, that's what we do, as well as NHL is in full swing. Bet Online covers those events as well as awards, TV shows, Kwani's favorite shows out there, which we're not even going to get into because there's too many, too many to name. And, and I'm not going to put you in. Opening day on Thursday for the Red Sox. Boom. There you go. Good shout out to the Red Sox. Opening day. Nice. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, all the scores, and all the different odds and all the different sports. Bet Online, your online sports experts. Don't forget. Discount code, if you sign up, 50% bonus. Promo code is CLNS50. Again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Josh, one of the things that – no, you know what? We're not going to – no, we're not going to play games just yet. Too oh. late. We're not going to do just yet. Okay. We're gonna, we, we like to play games. Okay. We like to play games. But I, but I want to talk a little bit more about just um, just where do you see the magic kind of – in the pecking order of the NBA now, and and how how close are they to trending in the right direction? 
status quo or taking a step back? Like, where do you see them right now? They've taken an unmistakable step back in the short term in terms of their ability to compete. Uh, They went into the season hoping to make the playoffs potentially under the best of circumstances, maybe have the fourth or fifth seed, which I think still, just for the record, I think that's that was a pipe dream. But now, now they are more or less hoping to win the draft lottery because that the the biggest part of their rebuild really is how they do with their own picks, and can they make the most of them? Uh, can they draft well? Uh, but I think you can make the fair point that they're actually farther further along toward being relevant now after those trades than they were beforehand because it was very difficult to ascertain or envision a, a legit pathway for them to get much better. I guess I guess the one thing I'd add is is that sometimes yeah. these rebuilds never never come to fruition at all. Uh, so I'm not trying to sell yeah. hope. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just saying uh, this has the chance for a much higher ceiling, but it also has the chance for a much lower floor over a longer period of time. Yeah, I, I thought the magic before they started making these deals were in the absolute worst place you can be. They are not good enough to be one of the top tier teams, but they're not the Houston Rockets. They they haven't completely they haven't like completely imploded to the point where they can't even compete, let alone win games. They weren't quite there yet, so it's like you gotta you, you gotta do something. You gotta move the needle in some direction. And I, I I think you know I think Walvin, I think John Hammond, I think those guys they made the right call in hitting the reset button, uh, getting some assets, give yourself more lottery tickets. I mean that's really what this comes down to, is uh, you know you're you're not going to sign. Anthony Davis or anyone like that this summer that can dramatically alter your your roster and your team's chances of at success. You're going to have to do it through the draft. And the only way you can do that is get as many potential draft picks as possible. I mean, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder, I mean, to me, they're, they're like the best of all worlds. They've got a billion and one draft picks for the next seven years. I think it's I think the official count is like 31 or 32 picks over the next seven years. Uh, and they have a roster with guys that are able to compete. Uh, not win a bunch of games, but be competitive. And I, I look at Orlando having the potential without as many picks, but the potential to be that kind of team in the short term where they're able to compete uh, when they're healthy and get some some more high-end talent through the draft and develop them. Culture. I love your coach. Um, he's he's a New England guy. Uh, that was another thing I wanted to – does he ever talk about his if days in Maine? he does. I once asked him if uh, he considers himself – a Mainer or a Vermonter, because he uh, he grew up oh, right. in Derby Line, Vermont, or the second half of his adolescence, really. I guess from sixth grade on, roughly, he grew up in Derby Line, Vermont, which is right at the border with Quebec. I've, I've been there for a story. Um, he refuses to he, – he, that's the one thing he won't really quite answer, because he doesn't want to offend anyone from Maine or oh, wow. he doesn't want to offend anyone from Vermont. He, but you're right, he is a, a legit – New Englander, a legit upper New Englander. Yes, and 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 a right, and a guy that even going all the way back to when he was high school, uh, was known for his defense. Uh, no surprise, as an NBA coach, it's his defense, and no surprise when you press him on trying to pick a side, he gets defensive and says, "I'm not going to pick a side. 
I love them both. I'm a new he, to me the, the 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 you know the the easy way out is say I'm a New Englander. That's what yeah. I am. Uh, but uh. Kwani. Wait, I have one more question before we get into game Thank time. You. See, I'm derailing Because you. you know I love playing games. <laughs> I love game time. But Evan Fournier, so I saw this stat, according to Elias Sports Bureau. He is the fourth player in Shot Clock era to go 0 for 10 or worse in his debut for a new team. I think people are overreacting because I think, you know, you're going to have nerves. It's, it's hard to adjust to a new team, a new system. But from your perspective, what do you think he does need to do to adapt to the Celtics I think he just needs to be himself because that that performance, that 0 for 10 performance kind of just told me he was pressing a little bit. Uh, try, because of all the mm. things, who he is, he's a competitor first. I mean, he's a much more competitive person than, than we take him for just by watching him play because he's not uh, overly emotional uh, or combative. Uh, and that works to his favor a lot of the times, but it also gets him into trouble sometimes when he's, for example, trying to drive into traffic and shoot in traffic uh, among a, among the trees, yeah. like a Rudy Gobert. Um, yeah. So how can he fit in? I think, he, I think he'll just be fine if he is himself. And uh, he's, he's a quality shooter. He's a, a f- roughly a 40% three-point shooter. Those shots will fall in time. I mean, I just, you know, just watching that first game, the thing that I, I, I noticed more than anything, and it was like almost immediately upon him getting into the game, and I was hoping it would go away, was that you could tell that he was out there thinking so much yeah. and not just playing. You know, he like he would get to spots, and I remember seeing him get to certain spots on the floor, and Josh, I know you've seen this also, where when he gets to certain spots, you get in the ball right there in his hands, it's going up and then it's going down. That shot is going to go down more times than not. And there were times where Kimba or Tatum or, or Pritchard would get him the ball in, in spots that, that normally he would be aggressive and assertive and take those shots, and he would catch it, and he would think about it, and then he would put it on the floor, or then he would pass it. And then when he did take shots, uh, they weren't in rhythm. They, there was no flow to them. And, and so I'm not worried about him because I think once they went back and looked at the video and he saw what we all saw, he's probably kicking himself thinking like, yeah. <laughs> that's just not who I am. That's not why they traded for me. Uh, if this is not going to get me that 20 million a year contract, I think I'm going to get in the off season. That's not going to get it done. Um, I'm not worried about him too much uh, because the, the, the one positive I took about it, is that he was still able to get where he needed to be. And I think he's going to figure out real quick that playing with Tatum, playing with Jalen Brown, playing with Kimball Walker, that's going to get him a lot of wide open looks. I mean, look at freaking Luke Cornette. I mean, if you didn't know better, you'd think he was like the, the second coming of Kevin Love, the way he's just rolling out there, hitting shots. And you know why? Because they're wide open. They're wide freaking open. And I think, Evan, I'm not worried about Mr. Fournier. Uh, I, have I, one, I actually have fine. something that I think is relatively intelligent. We'll see. We'll see after it comes out of my you, You've got lots of well, intelligence, anyway, stuff, Josh. Come on. I think we have to remember that for the majority of his career, the top offensive player he's played with is Vucevic, and really only Vucevic. Uh, yes, he played alongside yeah. Tobias Harris. He played alongside Victor Oladipo. But uh, they weren't who they have become at that time. Uh, the Victor Oladipo right. of yeah. 
his time in Indiana was far better than the Victor Oladipo Orlando. Same with Tobias Harris in his case. So I could just imagine what it's like for him to go to a team with so much more talent. Uh, you, you listed all of the people who Boston has, and it's like an embarrassment of riches compared to what he's used to. Kemba Walker, a guy who used to torment him game after the whole, he'd win games almost single-handedly for Charlotte against Orlando for many years. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, right there, That's those are three better offensive players, arguably even better than Vucevic, than, they, than he's ever played with on an NBA team. It's going to take him some time to figure out how to complement their games well, where he fits in. Um, it could take a it could take a period of time, and the one danger of the trade is is that he's not fully comfortable by the time the postseason starts. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be. A problem. I, I think he'll get there. <laughs> I think he'll get there, but it, it's something he's not really had to do deal with on the NBA level yet. Right, and the other thing too, Josh, and and, and this, and we can we can move on to, to games because I know Quanny is itching to get into the games. Uh, the, the other point about about Evan was the fact that remember the day he was supposed to join the team in Oklahoma City, he immediately got put into the health protocol because he tested positive, and subsequently had a bunch of negative tests. Uh, which you know, you're happy that obviously his health is, is is good and that's not an issue. You're happy about that. But, you know, he, he pointed out when he spoke with us just kind of how it sucks, the timing of something of that positive test right when you were about to join a new team and you're trying to figure out who the hell is Robert Williams. Who's, what's this Time Lord talk that I keep hearing about? Yeah. And, you know, th- you know this, uh, there's so many different things and nuances that as a player you're trying to figure out on the fly when you join a new team. And then to not be able to join that team for a positive test that – is followed by a bunch of negative tests. I, I know that's frustrating. And, I, and I, part of me wants to believe that it was the perfect storm for him to struggle out the gate. When you look at the, the health and protocol situation, uh, just being traded in general. Uh, and as you pointed out, Josh, which is a really good point, the talent level that he now has to basically not only step his game up to, but figure out how to fit in with. Uh, that, I, think that, I think you're right, Josh. I think that's going to take a minute for him because it's a it's a lot easier said than done when you're talking about joining a really good team and and you're a good player as well uh, because you want to show the guys that you belong but you don't want to step on any toes in the process so finding that balance I think is definitely something that that Mr. Fournier is going to be uh, trying to figure out sooner rather than later. Okay, Kwani, you've been <laughs> itching enough. I will, but to your point, I think he definitely fits in with the fans on Twitter. He took no time in trolling them and telling them to look up his last name on Google. Right. I would not suggest doing that. But it is time for some games. Fill in the lane. We'll ask you a question. You fill in the blank with your answer. So this is the scenario. Blank was the best offseason pickup at the trade deadline because of what? Mm. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> I, I would say it's it's probably – it's probably Vucevic in Chicago because he not only makes the team better, he, he makes Zach Levine better and it could have a role in keeping Zach Levine long-term. And he's, Vucevic was the one lone reigning all-star traded, correct? Uh, so that's my, that's my take on that. 
current all-star. Victor had, is a two-time former all-star. I know he was traded, but he's not a big, he's not an all-star this year. So, uh, right. yes, that's, that's my answer. I'm stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And I, I was thinking that as, as well. Uh, but but in 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 all uh, be the contrarian that that I, I will be, uh, I'm gonna go in the East and go with PJ mm. Tucker. And, and here's why: I, Milwaukee has a ton of shooters, but w- their failure year in year out, it seems to be, is their inability to defend at an elite level. Have that high level intangibles guy. P.J. Tucker is one of the best at that. And I do think that he's going to make a difference in the playoffs. I think the regular season, to me, it is irrelevant when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks. I could care less whether they finish with the best record in the East or the NBA because we've seen how that we've seen that movie before and it doesn't work out for them. They find ways to screw things up in the playoffs. Can they do something to strengthen their hold as a legitimate end of the road playoff team. And I think PJ Tucker gives them that ability because of his defense, because of his three point shooting and more than anything else, he's just a tough dude. Uh, he's a badass. He Milwaukee has a lot of nice guys and they're great. And you want to hug them and squeeze them and do all that stuff, but they don't have anybody. They don't have any prickly guys. They don't have any, they don't have like a James Posey or a Marcus smart or, you know, you know, going all the way. I mean, Teams that have what Doc Rivers likes to refer as—they don't have a Bill Lane beer. They, they, they don't really have a jerk have like Bill. Like well, uh, on court jerk to opponents as Bill Lane beer was. I know he's a nice guy off the court, great guy exactly. off the court, but on the court you you hate playing yes. against. You love to hate playing against him. It was yeah, and I I, I know that love hate relationship with Lane beer up close and personal. Uh, just being in Detroit media, great when you're just having a conversation among yourself and, but. As a competitor, don't want any. You don't want any part of that. But PJ Tucker gives Milwaukee Bucks that, and I and I, I always felt that was the one thing that they were missing the last couple of years is that one intangible tough guy that no matter what happens in the game, he could go 0 for seven, but he could very well make the one play that can win you a playoff game in a series. That's a and so I, that's the guy. That's that a good that choice. I would go with. We have one more game. This one's pick and roll. You get what two you got, options. You pick which one, and you explain why you're rolling with them. So I love we're keeping okay. Confusing my notes. Aaron Gordon is in Denver. Evan Fournier is in Boston. Who will have the biggest impact on their new team and why? You can I think you can just basically pick any one that was moved. You don't have to stick to those two. Well, among those two, I I would think it's going to be Aaron Gordon because he goes to a place where he can do something that is perfectly slated to his skill set: rebound, cut. Uh, defend wings with size. Uh, So if he just sticks in that role, he could excel. And he doesn't have to carry any offense. I wouldn't say Evan Fournier has to carry the offense either in Boston, but Aaron is is going to a place with with an MVP candidate this year, uh, a person who can be as effective as anybody on the perimeter when he's hot, Jamal Murray. and he can just stick to the areas where he's best. And if Aaron does that, that could that could turn out to be uh, a difference-making move when he has to guard against a, a Doncic or a, a Kawhi Leonard or or even a LeBron. Uh, I'm eager to see how that fit goes. 
Yeah, I, we, Josh, you and I are both yeah. on the same page here. I, yeah. I, as much as, again, I love to be a contrarian, I can on this one. Uh, I, I, I love that pickup for Denver. I thought it was the absolute most ideal trade a team could make to better themselves. And, and, and the, the important thing, too, that, you, that I, I keep in mind when I think about this move is I see this as a move that not only makes them better, it keeps them on the fringes of the conversation about who can come out of the West. I, because when you look at that Denver team, you talk about Jokic, who's, I, I think, a legit MVP candidate. I, to me, it's either him or James Hart. I, one of those guys I think should be this year's MVP. You look at him, you look at Jamal Murray, who's an elite scorer. You look at you know Michael Porter Jr., the way he's coming on. But when they were at their best a year ago, there was another guy by the name of Jeremy Grant. Shout out to Syracuse, Jeremy Grant, who was giving them that that three, four versatility. He's basically Aaron Gordon in many, many ways. Uh, slightly different, but very, very similar. Aaron Gordon, I think, has potential to have as much of an impact, if not more. Because I think Aaron Gordon, you know, as much as I love Jeremy Grant, Q's guy, I think Aaron Gordon's a better player. And, and so if you're getting a basically a better version of what you had a year ago and your team is older, more seasoned, you have a greater window of opportunity to be the last team standing. And, and I love that about what, what Aaron is going to bring to the table. And Fournier, you know, again, yeah. he I've, I have absolutely no doubts he's going to help the Celtics. But here's the thing. Brooklyn is still going to be ahead of them. Philadelphia is still going to be ahead of them. Milwaukee is probably going to be ahead of them as well. And, and, and let's not forget about the Miami Heat with, with what they've done. So even though he may make them a better team, he's not going to catapult them into that conversation Absolutely. about who's going to be the last team standing when all said and done. And because of that, Aaron Gordon to me is, is the, yeah, I think the key word is better impact. choice among like, those two. You know, that's kind of what makes it a unanimous decision, I think, when it comes mm -hmm. to that. I think he'll contribute, Fournier will contribute to this team, but for the East, I don't see him pushing the Celtics above the Nets, at least. No. No, I mean, they, they go from, yeah. you know, like they're at mile marker 1.0 yeah. and he moves them to 1.1. Yeah, they're, they, they, they're, they're moving. They're moving, but this they're not great. moving very far. Um, no, I was so, just saying this was great. Uh, you can do what you have to do. What you said, Kwani? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just before we go, just, you know, again, just in addition to your great work for the athletic, Josh, you also Ooh. serve as the president <laughs> of the Pro Basketball Writers Association. I know, I know. And I take a bow. Take yes, a we have royalty in the building. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, but I, I just want—I just wanted to take this time and just speak for myself and many sports writers across the landscape, and just thank you for what you do, uh, and and your efforts to bring about greater access for for sports journalists in a time when access is <laughs> as jacked up as access could possibly be. So I just wanted to give you your flowers uh, and just let you know we appreciate what you do and all that stuff. So. Um, Boom. Oh, bless you. There it is. You're much too kind. It's a group effort. It really is. Josh Robbins of The Athletic. Thank you so Such much. A team player. Okay. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Nice meeting you. <laughs> I hope so. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Josh Robbins, The Athletic. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Giving us our Orlando Magic fill. Mm -hmm. uh, active, as active a team as there was at the trade deadline. The Celtics among the many teams that were trying to holler at the Magic for their players. Right. Uh, we got one. They got one in, in Evan Fournier. Yep. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think about Josh? 
I, I thought his insight was phenomenal, but especially, you know, putting in perspective for Celtics fans, when you talk about the fact that the person we got from Orlando is, you know, he struggled his first game, but that's ever, that's the nerve. That's the NBA. I think like everyone should know, it's just something that he's going to have to get over that hump and he'll adjust. I think he'll adjust pretty quickly. Be himself. That's yeah. what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I was pleased with the fact that he didn't really have problems getting to his spots. He was just indecisive right. when he got there. And I, I do think part of that is, is as Josh pointed out, you know, being around a bunch of guys that are really good and right. having been in Orlando where the guys are not that good right. and him just <laughs> – trying to figure out how to get in where he fits in with, with, with that group. So not all that that shocked. And, and you know what? Here's the thing that, that I think people forget. You know, that first game after you get traded to a team is just an absolute hot mess. Yeah. There's no telling how that's going to – I mean, I think Isaiah Thomas in his first game, he got tossed uh, in his very first game as a Celtic, which, you know, you're thinking like, wait a minute, first – wait, you got tossed? Yeah, yeah he did. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not worried – that much about Fournier because uh, I think once he has because now that he has a body of work that they're going to go over with the Celtics and he's going to see all the things that the players saw and they're like you know don't be afraid to shoot I mean I, I think part of his problem was that there's a little bit of intimidation there um, that I think he felt you know I know I belong here but I don't want to step on any toes to let them know I just want to kind of get in where I fit in and they're just like we need you to shoot, bro. That's that's kind of what you need to do. Immediately. Yeah, like if you open, shoot the damn ball. You see Marcus Smart? You see what he do? He gets open, he shoot the damn ball. You don't see us tripping. You don't see us complaining. Right. But mention Marcus Smart. Another thing that stood out to me from Josh's conversation is when he called Evan Fournier the heart and soul of the Magic. And Marcus Smart is considered the heart and soul of the Celtics team, according to his teammates. So I'm very curious as to how he will fit into that locker room and if He'll be like a duplicate of what Marcus is, and hopefully that co- they complement each other in that sense. But it's good to know that there's another player that is on this team that is willing to advocate and look out for his teammates. Yeah, there, there's. I think there will definitely be a, a certain amount of replication with that, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny because, yeah. you know, Danny Ainge made it clear that they are very open to bringing Evan back mm-hmm. beyond his contract expire. Exactly. And just knowing the salary cap situation that the Celtics are going to have, there's no way they can do that unless they get rid of someone from within their core. And it ain't going to be Tatum. It ain't going to be Brown. And so then you start looking around. Who's left? They might want to replace. They might want to do a little, little open heart surgery and, and, and replace the heart and soul with a newer the longest type of heart and soul. Yeah. So I, it'll be interesting to see how those two work together. And more specifically, how does Evan complement Tatum and Brown? Yeah, because I think that's going to be really telling for the Celtics to figure out what they can do. Because the worst case scenario for the Celtics is that Evan Fournier doesn't work out. Right. The team gets to the playoffs, don't go far. He becomes a free agent this summer, and the Celtics generate another traded player exception, similar to what they did for Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. and have another year or so to play with that. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that to me is like the worst case scenario for them uh, with Evan. Uh, best case scenario for them is to figure out a way to either bring him back or bring in another high talent elite player, Bradley Beal, that could really impact this team in a significant way, Bradley Beal, that again, <coughs> the Celtics will be looking. They'll be looking for, for guys who can make a difference in this team in a really, really big way, Bradley Beal. So, you know, I, I'm not sure who that player might be, but you, you just, you know, Danny Ainge will be looking. Use your imagination, people. 
Yeah, and, and Jason Tatum, you know, you know, Jason Tatum is doing out more assists these days than he ever has. So he just might be able to assist, you know, Danny in that effort. I mean, you know, you just never know. know. You never know. <laughs> what do you got? But what we do? Week? Yes. What do I got coming this week? Let's see. Well, let's see. For for uh, for for Boston Sports Journal, we're going to look at this homestand coming up that the Celtics are currently getting started, and just really kind of dig into just how important that is for them to, to really get back on track, uh, kind of look at their strength of schedule right now, which is somewhere in the middle of the league. It's it's not terribly difficult, but it's not a cupcake bunch of games either. So just looking at that and just looking at can they put together a run during this homestand to get back into the thick of things, whereas right now they're like, you know, they're in that 6-10 range where, you know, they're looking at having to be in the play-in portion but they could easily put together a strong week week and a half for basketball and find themselves in the four or five spot so there's that uh for bleacher report i'm actually working on another celtic story just kind of looking at where do the celtics go from here now that the trade deadline has passed it didn't exactly get what they were hoping for uh you know the buyout market didn't exactly give them what they were hoping for so now how is danny going to you know push this this thing forward and, and get this thing back into where they expect to be, which is among the last team standing, one of the top teams in the East. So that is what I've got on my playlist. And Kwani, I know you've got a couple of things that you got coming down the pipeline with NBC 10 as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if I told people here yet, but 10 Questions with NBC 10 Boston is a podcast now. So if you don't have time to watch it, you can listen to it on your favorite podcasting app. In addition to listening to this podcast, you're already here. So just go to the search page and look up 10 Questions with NBC 10 Boston easy as that <laughs> but yeah we had our women's history month uh special so to speak we highlighted some women that have made a difference in massachusetts and next month it's a free-for-all we're gonna have some pretty cool guests so stick around for that as well so kwani in other words you are expanding the Lupe empire the Lupe empire is expanding <laughs> oh lord first we're kind of now this random nicknames it's out of control but absolutely. Of course, we have to make sure we shout out our sponsors, as we always do. BetOnline.ag. Make sure you're following them on social media. BetOnline underscore ag. Make sure you use our code CLNS50. Sign up with that bonus and let us know what you bet on. If it's March Madness, if it's spring training, whatever it is, let us know so we can keep track and keep our podcast going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They did they did your boy solid with the Syracuse Orangemen. That go. that worked out well. Now, that was partly emotional okay. betting, but I was a little bit of, I used a little bit of logic in that. I knew there were certain matchups that they would they would do well in, and then, you know, it worked out well. Just bet bro, 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 bro. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely bro. Got, got a couple got a couple meals out of that. So <laughs> we we're straight. We are straight. Well, that was a great podcast, Sherrod. As always, make sure you subscribe. If you haven't already, you should have. Review it, send it to a friend. And thank you for listening. For Sherrod, I'm Kwani. See you next week.